Good evening. If you guys have your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 5, and I'll be reading Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, and then also verses 16 through 26. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Verses 16 through 26. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warned you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So this is the word of the Lord. I'm glad I'm on the same team as Courtney. That was Courtney that just read. Uh, y'all, this, I'm just gonna go ahead and tell you, we're doing a four-part series. Each part is on a different way to understand and know the will of God. And tonight, uh, just following this, the Spirit, Will actually prayed the verse in the text, walk in step with the Spirit. Uh, I just want you to know, this one's hard. Like, this is just hard. On the way here, Heather and I got into an argument because she was slow, and I thought she should have been faster. And that's called not being patient. And so this is like my confession to you. I confess to her. But like the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. And I'm like, man, Lord, you are, you are fast. Like you are hard to follow. Um, but it's so good to walk in step with the Spirit and to be filled with the Spirit. And it's so good the Lord gave us this passage. So this is gonna be one of the four ways that we, we learn to try to discern the will of God. And so everybody wants to know, I'll just go ahead and get to the punchline. Everybody wants to know that if you were one of the 300 or so folks that, that did the survey on GroupMe, um, and if you're not on the GroupMe, you should get on that. We do polls and stuff, and it's kind of fun. But we're, we are gonna go over that. That's gonna be like the, the a, a chunk of tonight, you may be like, But tell me, was the sparrow that flew over a sign from God that we should go out? Like, you know, you're like wondering, and you know what, we're gonna get there. We're gonna get there, we're gonna get there, but it's gonna be kind of near the end, and we are gonna talk about those things, and I have more confessions to make then. It's gonna be great. All right, so the whole deal with this series is, the series is not here to help you make good decisions. That's that's not like, this is not a, a how to make good decisions. You can go... 
go to Amazon. I'm sure you can find a bunch of books on how to just make good decisions. But we want us, all of us, to make decisions based on the will of God, which will, they'll be good decisions. But we want to make those so that we're closer to God. So let's pray together. Father, I ask that tonight as we look at Galatians chapter 5, what a beautiful chapter, what a powerful chapter, that you, one, would help me to walk in step with your spirit as I teach, that you would help all of our minds and our hearts to be drawn by your spirit to walk with you, and Lord, that you would convict where you need to convict, you would encourage where you need to encourage, you would tear where you need to tear, and you would strengthen where you need to strengthen. And so Lord, we just ask that you would move in this place And we ask this by the powerful name of your son who defeated death in Jesus' name, amen. So people are always looking for a sign. They're always looking for a sign. A sign to know like what school to go to, what major to focus on, what job to take, where to live, who to live with, what to buy, where to go, who to marry, how many kids do we have? There's so many choices with so much consequence. There's good news. God does give signs, but the reason any sign that God gives us, because that's a lot of times what we think of when we think of the Holy Spirit, that he gives some sort of sign or leading, and those words are biblical. Any sign that God truly gives us, hear this, is to bring us near to him. Luke 2.12, the Christmas story. This will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. Why did the why did the why or the the shepherds get a sign from God to go meet Messiah? Any sign, I promise you, any sign that is truly from the Lord, any true leading of the Holy Spirit is not just so you can have or do that thing. Anything that is really from God, that is a sign is meant to bring you to him. Uh, Luke 11, 29, Jesus performed tons and tons of signs. It says in Luke 11, 29, that when the crowds were increasing, he, that's Jesus, began to say, this generation is an evil generation. It seeks a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. You know what the sign of Jonah is? As Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the earth three days and three nights. The greatest sign Jesus could give was not uh, pairing these people up so they could get married or giving these people who were infertile kids or giving this person a job miraculously. The greatest sign that God could ever give us through Jesus was for Jesus to go to the cross, to die for our sins, and to be raised again. That is the greatest sign you will ever get. That's the greatest leading from the Holy Spirit you will ever get. And I just want, I just want to know that, you to know that before we get into this passage and we start asking, how does the Holy Spirit work every day in my life? The greatest sign you will ever get is Jesus on the cross and Jesus raising from the dead. It is the greatest sign any of us will ever get. And remember, any sign the Lord gives us is to draw us to him. So the Holy Spirit signs the will of God. Look, when you see God in every big moment, 
you remember Jesus at any point throughout your day, when you realize that he's the only true love and the true hope, I want you to be sure the Holy Spirit has spoken to you. Like, spoiler alert, we've already, like, we're on, you know, some of you said, a few of you said, I don't think the Holy Spirit's ever spoken to me. If, if you have had those moments in the day when your mind drifts off to Jesus, when you are mindful that you have great sin and that sin offers to be removed, that I promise you that's not a thought the devil put in your head. The Holy Spirit is alive and well. He just happens to be, as Francis Chan says, in so many conservative churches, the forgotten God. If I got up and I started preaching to you, and I said, we're not gonna talk about Jesus anymore. We're just gonna talk about God and the Holy Spirit, like forever. You would be like, if you had any like chutzpah about you, you would get up and you would walk out and you would never come back. Even if you're checking out Christianity, because anyone with any integrity would say, aren't you leaving out a member of the Trinity? And so even if you're just checking Christianity out, you should hop up and you should leave if I said, hey, from now on, we're leaving out one member of the Trinity. And that is so often what happens in especially conservative churches that say that they are bound by this book. And we're not gonna be that. And we're not, praise God. So let's look. Let's look at this, this beautiful passage. As you notice, Courtney read verse one of chapter five, and then he skipped and went to, uh, to verse 16. We're gonna do the same thing here. I just wanna show you a couple of things. Um, and this is what I wanna show you, because this sets up the, the rest of what Paul, who, who was inspired to write this by the Holy Spirit, Paul writing to the church uh, in Galatia, he wrote to these Galatians, and he said, he said this, he said, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. And so this is, this is very important. You gotta understand, what, what is the Holy Spirit, what is one of the Holy Spirit's main roles in a Christian doing? The, the Holy Spirit is trying to keep that Christian free. And how, how are they not free? You're not free if you are tied to what the Bible calls sin. And later in this passage, you'll see it's called the flesh. If you are tied and bound to normal human behavior that pulls you further and further and further away from God, then you are not free. And if you are in Christ, you have been set free. And so the Holy Spirit, one of his main roles is to keep you free and keep you focused on the Lord. And so it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Now, that doesn't mean that uh, freedom has like no, no boundaries to it. That's, that's not, the, that's not the, the deal. Freedom means following God's plan and not suffering the results of a sin-bound life, a flesh-bound life. It's like if I said, is America a free country? And you would say, if I, was, if I was from a foreign place and I would say, is it really free? You would say, yeah. And I would say, so you don't have any traffic laws. And you would say, no, no, we, we have traffic laws. Like, it's good that we have traffic laws. Now, not on 75, but in other places, or especially not 400, in other places, 400 is the closest thing we have to the Autobahn when there's not much traffic in Atlanta. But like, you would say, yes, it is. No, 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 we have, we have laws in America. You say, yeah, but you're a free country. Yeah, the laws keep us free. And that, that helps us to stay free. 
And that is what happens. You don't get set free in Christ to just go willy-nilly. No, you were already like willy-nilly. Nilly. That's, I'm not gonna say that anymore. You were already that. And so now you, you've been set free in Christ and, and you still have a set of things that we live by and live with, but it keeps us free. And so this is foundational. And so I just wanna show, show you one more time. Any voice from heaven, any sign from God, any leading of the Holy Spirit is there to bring us closer to God, where there is freedom from bondage, sin, hate, and it's replaced with this release of all these as we walk in step with God. My old youth pastor, way back when, when I was like in high school, he said, you know, Satan's biggest lie. And I said, what is Satan's biggest lie? Because I had not seen that in the Bible and I was like, I just wanna know, did I miss something? And honestly, I didn't read much of the Bible then, so I could have missed it. But he said, it's not in the Bible. He said, I said, well, what is it? He said, his, his biggest lie is that following God will be no fun. And I think that's so true. It's so true. That's his biggest lie. That's the big, that's the, if you can believe that, he's got you. And you should, you would pity people like me. But I promise you, it's a lie. It, it is for freedom to follow the loving God that we are spoken to by the Holy Spirit. So let's, let's take a look then at the rest of this passage. Now you're gonna hate me when I scroll on this because it's a lot of words. I know it's a lot of words. We're just gonna break it down a little bit at a time. I've, I've tested this out earlier. You're not gonna like this. Okay, there we go. It's a lot of words. I know it's a lot of words, but I'm gonna walk through it a little bit at a time. So the first, if you have a Bible, this actually is probably gonna turn out better. Um, so verse 16, we're gonna look at it first and we're gonna look at like, I don't know if you've ever heard somebody say this, but like verse 16a and verse 16b, when they get into C's and stuff, I'm like, you're stretching it. Um, but like the first half of the verse is what we're gonna look at first. So Paul says, but I say, and this is interesting, there's four different commands in here about how to, how to follow the Holy Spirit. Paul says, I, I, I say walk, by the Spirit. So this is the first one. And I think this is important for us to realize that this is twofold. This is a command and a fact. It's a command and a fact. As a Christian, if you are a Christian, the command is walk by the Spirit, not by your flesh. When I was frustrated with Heather today, by the way, she was frustrated with me because I was frustrating. Uh, she was frustrated with me because I was frustrating. And, uh, and so like, it was like two worlds colliding. I knew I was gonna preach on this in just a little bit. And so I was like, I just felt the Holy Spirit convict me. Like, I thought it was kind of, like it was like a little bit of like, uh, like, I think there's some sarcasm with the Lord sometimes. And I think he was like, how you doing? It's like, not good right now. Um, <clears throat> and so uh, like, he's like, do you wanna walk with me now? I'm like, no, I kind of like the flesh. Um, and so like you kind of have this back and forth and that gets into my kind of how I talk with the Lord sometimes. But yeah, I, I did say, yes, Lord, I do want to walk by the spirit. And I know right now I'm not. And what happens if I don't, if I walk by the spirit, what happens? I won't gratify the desires of the flesh. So the inverse is also true. If I deny the Spirit, and the Bible calls that quenching the Holy Spirit. Imagine a water faucet that's running, that's the Holy Spirit, and you walk over and you just turn it off. I don't know if you know this about God, but God can be quenched. He allows that. Now, he could have bullied his way in and said, you'll never turn me off. I'll be a faucet you can never turn off. 
But the Lord in his sovereign wisdom has said that as a believer, if you want to turn the fountain off, you have the ability to do that. You can quench the Holy Spirit. And so Paul says, it's not in this passage he says that, he says that elsewhere, but he says, walk by the Spirit, and here's the benefit. If you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And we're gonna get into what those are, but I want you to know that this is a fact and not a feeling. This is important because the Holy Spirit is so often associated with feelings and the Holy Spirit does use feelings. But remember, we gotta read the whole counsel of God. And in Jeremiah 17, it says that the heart is wicked and deceitful above all else. Who can understand it? So I gotta know my heart will lie to me. I cannot trust, my, my feelings will tell me the truth about as often as they lie. So I can't, I can't trust them all the time. So walking with the Spirit is a fact not a feeling. Now, sometimes the feelings accompany. When I apologized to Heather today, I did not feel like apologizing. I promise you, I know what I felt. She apologized to me first, and I felt bad, but I still didn't want to apologize to her. But it doesn't matter. I know enough of following the Lord that if I respond by walking in the Spirit, and the Spirit wants me to be reconciled with people, that the feelings will follow. Sometimes you gotta tell those feelings, you, you just get with the program. Like, tell them, to, tell, them to, tell them they'll figure it out later. And they will, I promise you. You're tougher than you think. They'll follow. You're the boss, not them. And hopefully the Holy Spirit is the boss of all of you. So this is important. If, if we get into too much feelings, if I see a swallow fly over, I might go to the tattoo shop and say, can you give me two of those on my arm? Because it flew over and that must be God. No, folks, that's mysticism. And that is not the God that we serve. Now, does he use signs? I'll tell you later. I think so, yes. Um, but again, I'll tell you more later. All right, so the Holy Spirit with this verse, the Holy Spirit indwells me and gives me a few things if I'm a Christian. And I put verses at the bottom for you to look at those. I'm not gonna go over them now, but these verses underline these, these things that are in this, this little quote here. The Holy Spirit indwells me and gives me one conviction. Two, the Holy Spirit indwells me and gives me power to follow him, to be a witness for him. And three, he gives me insight to know the ways of God as revealed in the Bible, the ability to live them out and the conviction to know when I am on or off course. So let's get our language right. You did not ask Jesus into your heart. Uh, Heather and I were talking about this the other day and she said, he's a resurrected body, he won't fit. And she's right, he will not fit in your heart. It would explode and everyone who became a Christian would go immediately to heaven. So you do not have Jesus in your heart, but you do have the Holy Spirit indwelling within you. If you are a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit indwelling within you. You are possessed by the Holy Spirit. And so this is important. When he indwells in you, he gives you the conviction, the power, and the insight to know the ways of God especially those revealed in the scriptures. So we, we are not to gratify the desires of the flesh. 
which I want you to know is often painful at first. The first time you try with the power of the Holy Spirit in you to walk in step with the Lord, to walk with the Spirit, and to willfully deny what you know the flesh is calling you to do, which again, is not gonna bring you closer to God, it's gonna bring you further from God. When you willfully deny the flesh and the power of the Holy Spirit, and you don't go out with him, you don't drink that other drink, you, you name it, whatever happens, you don't take that job just because it's gonna be more money, but you know it's gonna lead you bad places. When you do those things and you deny the flesh, I promise you, you will have a little bit of like fear and trepidation. It will not feel good at first. But I also promise you, it'll work out great. Even if things fall apart, it'll work out great because you will have the peace of the Lord. You'll have this story of faith that's a witness and a testimony to others. Even if you lose some friends in the process, you'll be so close to the Lord, it'll be okay. So we walk by the Spirit because we don't want to gratify the desires of the flesh. And then verse 17 Let's take, let's take a look at, at verse 17. Uh, <clears throat> verse 17 says, the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. The desires of the flesh are against the spirit. The desires of the spirit are against the flesh. So I think we ought to, we ought to ask, what is the desire of the spirit? What is the desire of the forgotten God? This, this is so cool. I do think there's like, um, you know Psalm 42? I think, we, I think we've said it uh, maybe during Easter. I can't remember. But Psalm 42 talks about as the deer pants for water, so my soul longs for you. And like, again, going back to youth group, we used to sing a song about as the deer panteth for the water. Anyway, so if some of you know that from being like little kids, we can sing it together out in the lobby later. Um, but as the deer pants for water, so my soul longs for you. But there's another verse in Psalm 42. And it's Psalm 42, seven. And Psalm 42, seven is pure poetry. And it has this one line that says, as deep calls to deep. And I have always just been, that's been one where you read it and you're like, that takes a literature major. Like that, you had to read a lot of poetry to know what's happening here. And I don't know what's happening, but it's good. I can tell it's good. It's like being in the movie when people are like, oh, and you're like, oh, you're like, yeah, I'll, I'll get it later. Like, <clears throat> it's a beautiful line as deep calls to deep. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Turn with me, if you will, to, uh, actually, I think we have it on the screen. That's great. Um, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter, chapter, 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, chapter 2, verses 10 through 13. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 10 through 13 This is, this is it. If you were like, what does the Holy Spirit do? Here you go. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. Now listen to this. For the Spirit searches even the depths of God. The Spirit searches the depths of God. For who knows a person's thought except the Spirit of that person? All right, nobody, nobody knows you like you. And when you die, 
let's say I die first. I'll be generous. When I die, and it's, um, you know, jury's out, cremation, open casket, I don't know. Depends on how I die. Um, like, but you come over to me, and you're like, he looks so good. First of all, don't say that. It's a lie. It's a lie. If I'm dead, I don't look good. Um, and so, like, you walk over, and you see someone in a casket. You know that you know it's, like, not them anymore. If you've ever seen someone, a relative or someone you love, if you've seen them in a casket, you know, like, it's not them anymore. They are gone. Like, yes, their body is there, but they are gone. What's gone from them? Their spirit. The deepest part of them is gone. And so, listen to this again. Who who knows a person's thought, uh, a person's thought, except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also... No one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now, that should be mind-blowing to you. The Holy Spirit is searching out the mind and the heart of God the Father. And your spirit is searching out your mind and your thoughts and your heart. Now, we have not received the Spirit of the world but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. In Romans 8, Paul talks about this more, but here's the deal. When you become a Christian, the spirit that is searching out the heart and the mind of God indwells you and searches your heart and your mind and then calls out from the deepest part of you to the deepest part of God and from the deepest part of God to the deepest part of you. As deep calls to deep. The Spirit knows you like no one else. Not only does the Spirit know you better than you, The Spirit knows the heart and the mind of God the Father and knows exactly what you were designed for and made for. So the desire of the Spirit, because it talks about the desire of the flesh and the desire of the Spirit are in conflict with each other. The desire of the Spirit is that you would know the heart of God. It's the whole desire of the Spirit is for you at your deepest being, to know God at his deepest level. Now, folks, that is an incredible invitation. Why would I want to turn that faucet off? So, of course, that the desires of the flesh are against the desire of the spirit because the flesh wants to run because it's afraid of God, just like we were in the garden We hide ourselves, but God is persistent and powerful and he pushes and nudges and loves into our lives. So he goes on. He says in verse 18, but if you are led, and I want to underline this one, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So there's two commands here so far, or there's two, two ideas here about us and the Spirit. One, we are to walk by the Spirit. That is, be empowered, live by the Spirit. And number two, it is we are to be led by the Spirit. 
In, in the book of John, uh, Jesus says, the wind blows where it will and so does the spirit. No one knows where it comes from or where it is going. Now folks, that is a way more adventurous life than you can give yourself. You got your, you got your next three months planned out, most of you. You know your work travel from here till kingdom come. Like you do, and you're like, how much PTO can I get out of this trip? I want to do this trip. Can I extend this trip? Like you got your, you know your schedules. You know your, your world. But to be led by the Spirit and not like, you know, Home Depot, like that's a good trade. And you can still work at Home Depot and be led by the Spirit, but I'm just saying it's an incredible adventure. I think. Um, no, you can. You can work there. There's some great Christians that work at Home Depot. Uh, <clears throat> now Lowe's, I don't know about. <laughs> Just kidding. There's one person here that works at Lowe's, I think. Uh, <clears throat> maybe two. Okay, so now, I don't know, that was just a rabbit trail and I shouldn't have gone there. So anyway, here we go. So let's just go ahead and jump in there. It says, now the works of the flesh are evident. I'm in verse, if you don't know where I am, I'm in verse 19 here. Um, The works of the flesh are evident. So we know that the spirit wants to to align our spirit with God's spirit or with God's heart. That's the, the Holy Spirit is pulling us towards the Lord. So what does the flesh look like? Well, let's look. There's 15 things, spoiler alert, 15 things that are mentioned. And then there's a 16th. And this is kind of how Paul writes. He writes like 15 really specific things. And then he's like, and all other duties as assigned. And you're like, oh, cool. Um, so there's like no escaping. So here we go. I'll just, I'll kind of highlight them for you. Now the works of the flesh are evident. There is sexual immorality. There is impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of rage, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and here we go, and things like these. (laughs) So Paul's like, yeah, and there's other stuff too. None of it's good. So here's the deal. Why in the world would anybody want to live in these things? Um, Like, who, who would want to? Well, here's the deal. All of these things mask themselves as self-help, but they actually end up becoming self-harm. And so let's, I'll take three of them and, and give you an example. Here we go. So let's do, um, let's go with sensuality. That's a fun one. Um, let's go with fits of rage. All right. And then lastly, let's go with, this, is, this one's going to seem a little strange. Let's go with divisions. Okay, let's talk about these three for just a minute because here's the deal. All of these look like freedom when you start to live them out and they become bondage, I promise you. They all look like freedom, but they become bondage and here's how it works. So, sensuality. I'm, okay, ladies, I'll just talk to you. Ladies, I don't, I don't know how many guys are like sensuous. Maybe I just don't understand the word. But um, like, let's just say you're like, Okay, she got a guy, she got a guy, she got a guy, she got a guy, she got a guy. Um, like, they, they are winning and I don't have a guy. And that's what you want. Let's just say that. And you're like, okay, well, I will change how I dress. I will change my flirting tactics. I will no longer do like the soft shoulder tap. I will do the soft shoulder tap and like the whatever, I don't know. Anyway, and so, I don't know. I'm not a girl. Happily married, so glad to be out of the dating world. Um, and so, like, I mean, this is truth. And so, I, I, like, let's just say you go down that, that trail, and here's the deal. You, you, you keep a guy how you caught a guy. 
And so, so what happens, you may say it again, you like that one, you were like, oh, yeah. Um, so that, I mean, so you become this other person and you become incredibly sensual and it, it seems like it's working. I am getting freedom, I'm getting that thing I wanted, I'm getting all this attention. And then the guy you get won't settle down with you. And you're sleeping with him and you're, you're living with him and, and you, can't, you can't imagine why he won't put the ring on your finger. And, and what has happened is this lifestyle of what seemed like freedom has turned into incredible bondage and it's holding you in a place you never wanted to be. But the flesh is telling you that's what you ought to do. Okay, so fits of anger, fits of anger. Okay, I have a friend who's a lawyer, and I was like, man, what's happening in the world? And he's like, don't be mad at people at traffic lights. And I said, why? He said, they may get out and shoot you. And I was like, what? He was like, people do crazy things. And I was like, tell me more. And so every time we hang out, I need to hang out with him again soon. Um, but every time we hang out, I'm like, tell me a courtroom drama. And he's like, here you go. Uh, and he tells me the craziest thing. But it all starts with like, I'm important, and I've got to get there. And so y'all just don't get in my way because I got to go. And what's wrong with you, you idiot on your phone, drinking your coffee, I can't stand you, or your family, or your friends, or your pets. Like you're like, I like, because like, you're important. And you're important and you've got to get somewhere because getting somewhere is going to free you. And you can be you when you get there and you can do the thing and make the money and whatever it is. And then one day you get into a fender bender or one day you get into a car wreck or one day um, somebody does get out and do something crazy with you because we live in a crazy world. And all of a sudden, these little fits of rage that were supposed to get you someplace because you're important have now tangled up your whole life. But it started as freedom and it ended with bondage. And then let's go with the last one, divisions. This one's, this one's a fun one. This is like office drama here. You know, so-and-so gets a promotion, but you know what they really do on their computer all day, and it is not work because Facebook Marketplace is not work. And so, like, you're like, you know what? I deserve the promotion. I deserve the extra money. I deserve the things. And so, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna form a little team, team me. I'm gonna get some people on my team because I deserve that stuff. That's the, I'm, in, I, I'm, I'm trapped because I didn't get the promotion and they did. And so you form team you and they have team them. And next thing you know, you have to spend all your time keeping your little posse of angry people angry. And what started as this is gonna free me up has now just trapped you. It's choking the life out of you. And so look, this, these, these things are what the flesh is telling you to do. And I know we haven't gotten into what about the signs to know this is God's will. I'm showing you these things are not God's will and it's obvious these are not God's will and the Holy Spirit is leading you to alternative choices than this. And it may not feel overwhelming and supernatural all the time, though sometimes it is. But the Holy Spirit is constantly, because he's indwelling you if you're a Christian, he is constantly leading you to walk with him and be led by him and not fall into these things that everybody else is in. And by the way, that's when they see Christ in you. When you should have formed Team U. When you should have gotten mad in traffic. When you should have changed your clothes because other people are getting guys and you're staying true to who God's made you and called you to be. Like, then they see Christ in you, and it's amazing. 
And by the way, you sleep so much better. When you walk by the Spirit, I've done both in my life, you sleep so much better. That's just a bonus. Okay, so now, what about the, the fruit of the Spirit? So if I don't do this stuff, or if I don't wanna do this stuff anymore, he says, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's, by the way, a strong warning. The warning there is, if this is the pattern of your life, and it's always been the pattern of your life, it doesn't matter how many times you prayed a prayer or you've been to church or taken communion or gotten baptized, it's saying here, if this is the pattern of your life, that you don't really know the Lord. You don't really have a saving relationship with Jesus. And I know, I know it sounds really strong, but I'm not overstating it. I'm just telling you what it says. So verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit, now this is so good, only nine things. Why? Because God's way less complicated than sin. How many rules were there in the beginning? Just one. Don't eat from that tree. How many rules are there now? Bajillions. Why? Because sin complicates, but God simplifies. So just nine things. This is the fruit of the Spirit. This is all-encompassing of what happens in the Spirit. And so it's love, it's joy, it's peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is what is in you and what the Spirit is leading you to. You wanna know what God's will for your life is? There's nine things. Here's nine things that are the will of God for your life every day, all the time. You wonder if you should buy that thing and the Lord hasn't given you a clear sign? Well, is that gonna help you have more peace? Is it gonna help you have more patience, more kindness, more goodness, more faithfulness, more gentleness, more self-control, more love, more joy? So this, this fruit of the Spirit is, is so beautiful. But so often what I want from the Spirit is not this. What I want is an open door, a great job, a fantastic spouse, kids when they're old enough that don't rebel, and a bunch of money. That's what I want by the Spirit. But, you know, Solomon, Solomon had this interesting moment. Imagine this is you tonight. You go to sleep. This is what happened with Solomon. Solomon went to sleep one night, King Solomon, and God came to him in a vision. And do you know what God said? God said, Solomon, I have a blank check for you. What do you want? The the actual words that God said to Solomon were, ask what I shall give you. Now, some of you, today would be a bad day for God to ask that because you would just, you would waste it. But you know what Solomon said? He didn't say, I want the bank account that's gonna last generationally. Um, I want the house, I want the thing, I want the job, I want the status, I want the relationship, I want the blah, blah, blah. He said, I want wisdom. And we're told in 1 Corinthians that wisdom comes from the spirit of God. Solomon, in a sense, said, I want the spirit of God. And God said, you have chosen well. So, look, what we want What we need from the Spirit is not so often what we want. We want the open doors and the answered prayers and all this stuff. That's what we want. But what we need from the Spirit are these nine things. 
And, and then Paul ends it by saying, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. The only way you live by the Spirit is if you are a follower of Jesus. If you've gotten to the point where you said, I don't want the flesh anymore. I see where it's led me. It's all been self-harm, and I thought it was self-help. And so instead, I want Jesus. And then you are indwelled with the Holy Spirit, and you live by the Spirit. And so if you live by the Spirit, it is a command that you keep in step with the Spirit. And the number one sure way to keep in step with the Spirit is to practice these nine things, not because you can do them on your own, but because you have the Spirit in you who's empowering you to do them. And every time you have a choice to do one of these, you have a choice to do the opposite. Every time one of these comes up, it's because you could do the opposite and you could be in the flesh. So, for a couple of minutes, I just want to get real practical with you. Here's what came out on, on the survey. Let's show, you, let's show you the survey. Okay, now, 46% of you said, this is why if you're not on the group me, you should be on the group me. Good times, good times are happening. 46% of you, the big, the big dark part of the circle here, 46% said, it is difficult, when I asked like, the Holy Spirit, and you said, difficult to know if it's me or him. Let me just help solve this for you. Uh, he doesn't appear to be an introvert, okay? So he talks a lot. And so you do too, though. Your little voice in your head is going, the, the Holy Spirit is talking to you. So uh, here's, here's what I want to encourage you with. I want you to test every spirit. First John chapter four says to test every spirit, verses one through three, if you wanna look it up. First John four, one through three, says to test every spirit. So that's what I want you to do. If you're like, is that God or is that just of my, like, was that lunch? What was that? Um, I want you to test every spirit. And here's your litmus test. If it's the Lord, if it's the Holy Spirit, he is always calling you to be closer to the Father. So will that thing make you closer to the Father? You know, you gotta ask yourself also, are you making provision for the flesh? Don't come up to me and tell me, um, why are these girls so difficult to go on a date with? Can you talk to them about that? And I'm like, are you looking at porn? And they're like, yeah. Like, don't, no, stop. Okay, if you're making provision for the flesh, you're looking at porn and doing all that, and you're like, why can't I find a good Christian girl? Like, you wonder, you want God's will to work out while you're in the middle of sin? You can't have your cake and eat it too. So cut the stuff of the flesh out and repent and follow the Lord. And it's so much easier to hear his voice when there's less clutter in your life. So how do you know it's him and not you? Test every spirit, be filled with the spirit, not filled on things of the flesh. And I think it will become more and more discernible, especially if you're in this book, because the Holy Spirit will never speak outside of that book. He'll never speak stuff in principle or truth that is not found in here. So let's go to, um, let's go to the, the smallest one, the 1%. He hasn't spoken to me. He may not have spoken to you. That would mean that you are not a Christian, and I'm so glad you're here. I want you here every week. Um, and I think we probably have several folks that are not Christians here. But I would almost bet that he has spoken to all of you. If you've ever thought, ooh, I think that is wrong in my life and I think God is right. That's called conviction of sin. That, my friends, was the Holy Spirit. 
The same spirit that hovered over the deep in Genesis 1. That is the spirit of God. That is the Holy Spirit. He convicts of sin. Jesus said that's what he was going to do. So if you've ever been convicted of sin, the Holy Spirit has spoken to you. If that's never happened, maybe happening tonight. We've opened the Bible. We're talking about the grace of Jesus. We're talking about this desire that God has for us to know him and walk with him. And if you're like, I want that, that's the Holy Spirit talking to you. So let's go to um, the 5%. He only speaks through the Bible. I don't know why I capitalized the I in Bible, but I did. He, but it's supposed to be Bible. Um, he only speaks through the Bible. I don't have much time, so no, he doesn't. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, often speaks to me, 21%. Um, he often speaks to me. Should I elaborate on that last one? Like just a little bit? John's like, yes, just a little bit. John knows, I was in the flesh just then. I was in the flesh. That is sin. Okay, I, I, it happens. Okay, he, um, I met a man one time who, was, uh, who had this vision um, of a man in a field, and the man raised his hand, and he had a hole in his hand, and uh, this man was a Muslim man who had this vision, and he uh, was also, I think, told in the vision or dream, you need to go ask somebody about this man that you saw in the field. And, uh, and he did, and the man said, who told you to come ask this? This Muslim guy does not have a Bible, um, doesn't know anything about Jesus, and the man he was talking to that he was directed to go talk to was a Christian. Um, the Lord does speak on occasion, outside of the scriptures. But now, not different than the scriptures. There's not a new gospel. There's not a new truth, a new message. Again, because the only reason the Holy Spirit speaks is so that we will know God. 2 Corinthians 13, 14, the last verse in the chapter says that the, the, the Holy Spirit is the fellowship between the Father and the Son, and he makes us have fellowship with the Father and the Son. He only speaks to draw us to the Father, not some new, weird, mystical message outside of that. So, is that good, John? Okay, John, so that was good. All right, I can move on. There we go. All right, he often speaks to me. I would say the Holy Spirit speaks to me multiple times every day. Uh, I, I mean, he doesn't appear to be an introvert, like I said. Yes, he primarily he speaks through the scriptures. And so I read the scriptures most every morning. I try to read them every morning. And, uh, and I pray before I read, Lord, would you reveal something to me? Would you reveal yourself to me? And he primarily speaks through the scriptures. But oftentimes I'm walking around and I think about you out of the blue. And I'm like, I cannot get Ben Deal out of my mind. Man, it's driving me crazy. And I'm like, I wonder if that's the Lord. And I wonder if I should pray for him. And sometimes, and so I, I try to always stop and pray for you. And so I'll pray for you. And sometimes I ask and you're like, things are going great. And other times I ask and you're like, that is so strange that that happened. I'm like, well, it's not strange. I think that's the fellowship of believers that we have through the Holy Spirit. And I, I, I need to pray for you. So I think, yes, he does that. And he also brings scripture to mind. There's so often that the Holy Spirit brings scripture to mind. And now the Holy Spirit brings scripture to mind to help me live the scripture out. And so sometimes, and you need to understand, the Bible is like a, a skeleton. Most every verse in the Bible is like a skeleton. It's not a fully fleshed out human with clothes. And so, uh, you know, don't work on the Sabbath. How? He didn't tell us. 
And so it's a skeleton and we have to put the clothes on it. Well, who puts the clothes and the flesh on it? The spirit helps us do that. Lord, how do I live this truth out? How do I live this passage out? How do I do this thing? And so he'll bring a passage to mind and then he gives wisdom to help live that out. And in two more weeks, we'll talk about how that happens in community. And so last one, does the Holy Spirit give signs? Signs like fleeces or miracles or special signs or open doors or prophetic words. I would say, yes, the Holy Spirit does give signs. It's clear in the Bible, he gave plenty of signs. Jesus said that more signs are to come before he returns. I know some people would disagree that he gives signs. Some of y'all have disagreed anyway, and that's fine. We can agree to disagree. You're not bad, you're just wrong. Um, Sorry, I'm in the flesh again. All right, here we go. Um, And so, yes, yes, I, I, I would say that he does do that. I think you can see that in scripture that the Holy Spirit does give signs. However, I would say these are more rare and you should be suspect of them. This is where I'm going to confess real quick. When I met Heather, I really liked Heather. What's not to like? She's so great. And she was like, she's like still smoking hot. And she was like smoking hot and like, like, like same smoking hot now. I got to stop before I get myself in trouble. She is the, Heather's beautiful. Um, I know that. And, uh, and so, and I knew she was pretty when I met her and I knew other guys knew she was pretty. And so I like, was like, I got to make my move quick. You gotta strike while the iron is hot. And so I was like, I gotta go after this girl. And so um, take a note, fellas, I wasted no time, brothers. I was on a mission, mission accomplished, all right? And so, like, I knew. Uh, and so and once I decided I like this girl, I was like, I'm gonna like this girl. I'm gonna date her, and she's gonna have to tell me to stop dating her. She's gonna have to say no, because I'm in. I'm committed. And so I was committed, and I was like so head over heels for her, but I still wanted to make sure I was following the will of God, and I was still trying to figure all this out. And so I would pray little prayers. Lord, could you please let me see a Nissan Pathfinder, because that's what Heather drives, and that'll be a sign. (laughs) And I would look so, I would go through every parking lot. (laughs) I was like, y'all, where's a Nissan? There's one, it's Heather, yes! Praise God, I'm gonna marry that girl. I wish somebody would have been like, come here. Can we talk for a minute? You're being a moron. She likes you, you like her, you got the peace of the Lord. Like, run with it. Um, And so, anyway, I would just say be suspect of like following all these signs. You can get yourself in real trouble. And, And the Lord... Will con- he has confirmed every major decision in my life in the Word. And the Holy Spirit has illuminated the Word and confirmed every single major decision in this book. Even if I wasn't, and, and most of the time I was not looking up something about that in this book. The Lord just spoke to me through his Word by his Holy Spirit. You don't need all the crazy mystical stuff. Does it happen? Sometimes yes. But that's not what we're in this for. So look, tonight, did I, did I cover all those? We covered them all. Tonight, some of you are hoping to get an answer on finally and ultimately what the future holds. You want the, you want the Holy Spirit to be a crystal ball. And he is not in the business of being a crystal ball. But he is in the business of delivering you from the flesh. And he's in the business of knitting your spirit with God's spirit Deep, calling to deep. He's in the business of giving you the power to daily live out this fruit of the Spirit. He's in the business of illuminating his word to help you have wisdom to make decisions. 
Hear me on this. I promise you, he wants you to know God's will more than you want to know God's will. Walk with him daily. He'll make your path straight. You don't lean on your own understanding the flesh, but in all your ways you acknowledge him. He will make your path straight. But maybe tonight you need to repent some of the flesh. And so I invite you to remember the greatest sign that he's ever given us is the sign of Jesus Christ going to the cross and raising again from the dead. Therein lies our hope. And if you've been living in the flesh, it's time to repent because you're not helping yourself, you're hurting yourself. And you will be in bondage if you're not already. And the Spirit is here tonight to free you from that through the blood of Christ by the love of God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much that your Spirit loves us, that your Spirit leads us. Lord, I thank you that you in your grace continue to approach us even when we have moments where we turn off the spigot and we don't wanna hear from you anymore. And Lord, let tonight be one of those nights that if we've had hard hearts that you revisit us again. And Lord, tonight, if we have heard your voice, let us not harden our hearts, but instead, Father, may you, by your grace, give us the strength to open our hearts and open our lives that we may live by the Spirit and walk in step with the Spirit and have the fruit of the Spirit and not the flesh that leads to death. It's in Jesus' name we pray, Father. Amen.